<clears throat> Hello, everyone. My name is Devin D'Agostino, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Kevin Berger. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing great, Devin. How are you? <laughs> you know, I wanted to play along, Kevin, but I was like, yeah. what, was an, what would be like an intro that Kevin get, would give, yeah. right? Because I always say, I'm doing well, Kev. How are you? Yeah. You always do the intro. Yeah. I, I, wanted, I wanted to keep you on your toes to make sure that you were, you were pulling your weight. Well, I actually record all of these episodes standing on my tiptoes, which is why <laughs> as we get further on, I sound more exasperated because my calves are burning. Yeah. But I think it keeps it interesting. I always wanted to know why I could only see the bottom half of your face when we do these Zoom meetings, but um, I guess that makes sense. And, and you are on your toes, and I apologize for assuming that you weren't. Now I'm on double toes. Whoa. What is the that? The toes like? that you gave me and my toes. I'm on cloud nine, baby, on my toes. And in just a moment, if we haven't already, Kevin and I are going to stop making sense. And what that means, Kevin, is every week, I, Devin, choose a new Talking head song and let you know about it. And we both analyze it and ponder it. We let our minds wander it to uncharted realms of science and comedy and music. And we answer such burning questions as who took the money? Who took the money away? Where? Where is my common sense? Why stay in college? Why go to night school? And of course, where is that large automobile? Now, Kevin, I, Devin, don't want to do this name game anymore. So in the count of three, I'd like to go back to ourselves and, and continue the episode. Are you, are you good with that? Yeah, we're going to Freaky Friday this. Yeah. All right. All right. One. One. Two. two three. three. <laughs> okay. Whoa. That was crazy. Yeah. That felt weird being in... It <laughs> being inside you. <laughs> Who is in Freaky Friday? Because I was going to like do another bit here mm-hmm. where I said that she switched into me, like we got something wrong, but I yeah. can't. Here's another, you know, this is a theme in our last podcast episode, and I think I'm going to bring it into this one, of me referring to a movie that I've never seen before. Yeah. Freaky already. Friday, I have never seen. I feel that because I often get into conversations with people about, pop culture and about you know one third of the way in i have to admit them that i've never seen it what we're talking about i've only seen a video essay on it so i can i can do the ins and outs of the complexities of the cinematography of this movie but i've never just watched the movie so i understand when you bring up these shows i also know friggin friday i can picture the the lead actresses i have no idea of really the the minute details of the movie at all you know, it's interesting you say that because how many people do you think are listening to this podcast and have never and don't actually listen to the talking head songs that they're based on? Oh. That was something I was thinking the other night. That would be a compliment, awesome. I think, because they're not here for the talking heads. They're here for us. Yeah, but I still encourage them to listen to the song because it'll make the episode make a lot more sense yeah, or any sense. And, and that's what we we're all about making sense here. Yeah. That's the name of the show is Devin and Kevin start making sense. And on this very special episode of Devin and Kevin's of Kevin and Devin start making sense. Uh, we're going to do another very special episode. Every episode uh, is special with you, man. Can oh I just say God. that? Every episode. Oh is special that was beautiful. Why continue? Everyone. Thank you. This has been Kevin and Devin start making sense. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. Now back to our regularly scheduled program, Devin and Kevin, Stop Making Sense.
Hello, my name is Kevin Bergen. I'm joined by Devin D'Agostino. Devin, welcome back to the show. How are What's you? happening, Kevin? Very good. Glad to be here. I'm great to be here for the very first time. Today, we have a very special episode. We're going to compare and contrast these two songs. They're in very different realms of the talking head continuum. Yeah. And those songs are Pulled Up from 77 and Glass, Concrete, and Stone from David Byrne's 2004 album, 27 years later, Grown Backwards. It's the opening song and Pulled Up, I think, is the album closer of 77. When you chose these two songs, do you want to give us a, a brief overview of your rationale and your familiarity with the songs? Yeah, so Pulled Up and Glass, Concrete, and Stones. I guess familiarity-wise, Pulled Up was a song I've been familiar with for a longer time. Glass, Concrete, and Stones, I really only got into after seeing um, American Utopia. This is one of the songs they play in that show. That was the first time I heard it. Um, and then after that, I listened to the song and the album Grown Backwards. But the reason I picked these two songs, and hopefully we'll be able to, you will also see this by the end, is that I think they complement one another. Mm-hmm. So very different tones, very different music, very different instrumentation. But as we see, as we break down these two songs, I think they're almost, I, in a way, it seems like Glass, Concrete, and Stones is the response to Pulled Up 27 years later in that solo album by David Byrne. It almost feels like this is his response to the person who wrote Pulled Up. So before we get into that, actually, why don't we talk a little bit about Pulled Up? Sure. Off Talking Head 77, first impressions, what do you think? Well, let me pull up my Pulled Up notes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I'm going to do some pull-ups as you pull up your pull-up notes. <laughs> you're on your toes. <laughs> you're just doing toe pull-ups like you're not really pulling yourself. Um, you, oh, you can continue your pull-ups. Don't let oh, me yeah. stop you. Three, four. But silently, please. Five. the world's quietest pull-up so i met pulled up before i met glass concrete and stone i have like a distinct image in my mind of walking around our college campus just indiscriminately like somewhere on campus i'm just like walking listening to the song Uh uh i think i found it around the same time that I was really diving into 77 and I found Oh Love Comes to Town and Pulled Up were like my two main squeezes out of that album and I carried them in my hip pocket for weeks on end. And why I think I liked Pulled Up so much is that it is about a young person talking to their parents and thanking them for keeping him up or picking him up once he slipped and tripped and fell, they pulled him up. And I think going to college kind of got me into that mindset of mommy, daddy, look at me. And now I'm in a great big town. Thank you for believing in me and like sending me out into the world. 
and just to kind of let me do my thing, go on the stage at CBGB's with my band and go wild and dance as I imagine David Byrne and the rest of the Talking Heads did when they were performing this as young lads and ladies in 1977 and beyond. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I like that you brought it back to CBGB's because that was a big thing I picked up on too. Because Talking Heads, 77, they come on the stage and they're doing, they're like, they're not your average rock or punk band. Punk band. They're preppy. They're clean cut. They're these nerdy little like geeky group of people, right? And they come on there and they play music. And it really fits well with this song too, of this kid who's supported by their family, right? There's no worries. They a way I interpret it, just like you, with it's a thank you song to their parents. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for allowing me to be successful. But bringing it even a step further, it's this nice position where the person here has the freedom to make mistakes, right? Because they know that mom and dad are there to support them when times are tough. But again, too, talking heads, they present themselves, right? As like sort of, I can, no other way to say it, but almost like a private school kid, right? They're like yeah. a band of private school kids. And that is what this song is about, at least in my mind. Yeah, I believe their history is they were Rhode Island art students. That's how they all met each other. Yeah. And you definitely feel that privileged East Coast feel where your parents worked hard to send you to the school that you want to go to and you're chasing that niche degree, not going through like finance and those right. get a job, like sit down and do it majors, but you're taking a risk and all you can really do is thank your parents. And what I like about this is that it has such a youthful spry energy and the singer never says thank you as a 23 year old or 22 year old might do. They just say, Hey mom, look at me, look at all the things I'm doing. But, you know, still maybe not mature enough to actually look them in the eye and say thank you, as I think all young people have felt and been reluctant to do in the past. And I think that's why I like this song so much. It's just a nice, I put it as a, a tender punk song. It has yeah. those crescendo moments where he, David Byrne is just going nuts and the whole band is really into it. But those little, you know, go back into the verse moments with those nice trilly guitar parts just make you feel so nice inside, which is so odd and such a high energy song. It is a nice song, and you know what? I have to bring us, though, it's one of our classic segments on here. Devin ruins something we hold near and dear to ourselves because I love and hate (laughs) the segment. Go on. I totally agree that it's like this. It's a very nice song, but at the same time, I'm going to bring up my favorite word again, nefarious, right? As with every Mm -hmm. song on 77, I feel like there's something darker here. So section I'm going to really focus in on here is where he turns and he actually talks about the word shadow and darkness appear in the song. He says, I cast a shadow on the living room wall dark and savage with a profile so sharp. Keep that wonderful food on the table. There's really no hurry. I'll eat in a while. These aren't happy lyrics. Mm -mm. They're not. They literally have the word dark in them, but they're much darker lyrics. And I think they suggest something more sinister. So almost, right? Like this song is a thank you song, but it's also not. It's almost like they're angry at their parents for the freedom they've given them. The way I sort of interpret this is, this is the singer saying, I felt pressured to accomplish something. I felt pressured to become something that I didn't want to become, but I had to live into your image of what you wanted me to be. And even like the way he sings becomes much angrier. Did you hear that? Oh, yes. 
there's there's tiny crescendos at the end of each verse and into the chorus, but the whole song is a, is a large crescendo to that last big chorus where he repeats, pull me up, 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 up. And just to contrast the verse that you picked out, I drift away to another land, sleeping, dreaming, such a simple thing. I think of things that I might be. I see my name go down in history. That's the verse preempting the verse that, that you brought up. It's almost like there's a progression. Verse one, mom, dad, look at me. I'm in this big town. You had faith in me. You pulled me up. And then into, I'm dreaming. I think of all the things I might be. I might be down in history. And then this third one, it's almost in chronological order of this older person that's a little jaded. Is this yeah. the parent? Is this the parent that sent them away to school? Or is this them now as a parent trying to keep food on the table? Don't worry about me. I will eat in a while. You, child, you eat. You go eat up the fruits of my labor and you start your own life. It's a progression chronologically, just as the song crescendos, as does this person's life kind of grow out and turn into something different. That's really interesting that you interpret it that way, that it's either from the parent's perspective or this main character as a parent themselves, because I almost took it, right? Because that line, it's a great line. We were talking about it before we started recording. There's really no hurry. I'll eat in a while. The way he sings it and just the line itself and the way I almost interpreted it, right, was like that the person is totally dependent on their parents. If they don't have their parents helping them, they won't be able to eat. Or it's like, the parents have the ability to completely cut off the kid, right? They're asking, mom, dad, help me out. And the kid isn't living up to the expectations and they're not giving him food. So like, there's really no hurry. I'll eat in a while, whatever. It's definitely more sarcastic and caustic. It's went from like a genuine thank you to like a petulant spoiled brat saying, mm. how dare you make me live this life, right? Like I didn't shoot. I didn't, I wish I was never born. Why do I have to do this? These expectations are unfair. Yeah, it does kind of go along with the trope and the archetype that we're talking about of a privileged upper class person that seems like they were funded to go to this new life or place or city. And now they're turning that darker edge of that. The other side of someone that's, oh, mom and dad, thank you so much for sending me to the big city is also, mom and dad, give me what I want. I, I like that you brought the nefariousness back into it because I almost felt that this was a pure song told just straight out of the gut not as much of the heart but of the gut of this uh, reactionary explosive emotional feeling of this person being in this new place and trying to turn around and thank their parents as they drive away from the place they just dropped them off I, I didn't feel like that last verse was as biting as you bring up but I like that you you bring that aspect into it now an additional thing to think about whenever that verse comes back on whenever I'm shuffling my talking heads playlist and I also just love that <laughs> I'll eat in a while, tossing that word out there. Yeah. Like he's almost throwing the food away <laughs> from exactly. his, his high chair. Uh, I love that. Yeah. And maybe this is a nice way to move into glass, concrete, and stones, because I was trying to think of the thing that unites these two songs. I think narratively, there's definitely something, and I'll get into that in a second. But just the songs themselves, I think both of them are from the gut, right? They're very emotional, internal songs, and it's just a person like trying to express themselves. So maybe to shift the conversation to glass, concrete, and stones, what are your first impressions? 
I also feel like there's a theme of chronological timing on this. I agree with you that you said earlier that this might be the same person. And also the chron- chronology of David Byrne's life. When he's he singing these songs, 27 years apart. This pulled up is sung from the Talking Heads when they first get their record deal and they're playing in the CBGBs and they're like, oh my God, it's happening. This is so exciting. And they just have all that nervous energy, smashing cymbals. And this is David Byrne 27 years later. He's, he's had his solo career for decades now. And he knows it. He's looking back and he's, you know, now he's the parent or now he's the person supporting, has expectations on him. And there's this much more somber, muted feeling to this that is so contrasting to that pumped up energy of pulled up. There's no thank you here. He's the one that probably needs a thank you, whoever this character is that's singing this song. Now I'm waking at the crack of dawn to send a little money home from here to the moon he's away from his family and that first word of now implies that there was a then that there was a past that he's no longer in and it's definitely different (laughs) the now implies that there's a then i think that's a really good insight right that implies that something was different a couple different things that i want to touch on too i mean this is definitely a more mature album and even think look at the name of the album grown backwards right Mm -hmm. he's grown it's a more mature album he's in his solo career it's 27 years later but he's backwards i think he's looking at the same topics from a different lens so with this that line now i'm waking at the crack of dawn to send a little money home and then we go forward and now my bags are down and packed for traveling so the way i interpret this song is rather than in pulled up where we have the parents supporting their child this is the child supporting their family back home right This is a child that had to, well, an adult, but still the child of their parents that had to move away, move to a big city. Later on, he talks about the city blowing in and out, had to move to the city for work, leave the family, leave home. The line that's repeated throughout the song, it's just a house, not a home. It's this person, they're lost, they're alone, they feel empty, they're alienated, they're stuck in the city, but it's like there's no one there for them. It's the exact opposite, at least I interpret it, is the opposite of pulled up. The kid has to go and they have to support their family. It's completely selfless. It's very compassionate, but it's also very morose and very lonely. When I was listening to Pulled Up, I imagine the head's parents walking in to this grimy nightclub where their kids have spent so much time refining their set list and watching Pulled Up performed. That's the thank you they get after all these years. And they're just like, what is this? You know, maybe they're... Just like imagine performing that song to your parents in a sweaty bar in the Bowery. They're like, wow, what is this? Versus this more somber, the, the singer is experienced, you know? And what would this singer say if he watched his children go perform a similarly, similarly energetic song to Pulled Up? He would probably be like, oh, I remember those days, but I, got, I, got, I can't stay downtown all night i gotta wake up at the crack of dawn and and get moving back to work to provide for you but keep doing your thing i was trying to imagine right how these two characters would meet we have the one character i mean i assume i pictured both of them as individuals right in their early 20s getting their start one of them completely like that image of david byrne coming out with the talking heads very preppy in a suit clean cut got the perfect job they always wanted because their parents support 
And the other one, this person, he looks run down, he's tired, he's working his butt off every day, he's sending money home to his family. And imagine these two interacting, right? They're from totally different worlds. How would they even understand each other? In one case, it's the child being pulled up by their family. In the other, it's the child having to pull up their family. And I couldn't figure out why they were still complementary when they have these two completely distinct ideas, even though they're running in parallel. And I'm going to come back to what you said before. It's because they're both from the gut. One is a gut-wrenching song. The other one's more of a happy song. But it's both these two people from totally different worlds with totally different experiences speaking from this intrinsic place. And something I only caught now that you talked about pulled up again and the idea of like physically pulling someone up is how does glass, concrete, and stones end? It ends with this person up in the sky, right? Mm -hmm. And my head is 50 feet high. Let my body and soul be my guide. It's almost like they've pulled themselves up or they haven't. They're stuck in this house that's not a home, this glass, concrete, and stones, but they're floating off. They're picturing they're somewhere else. Yeah. I see that there's in both songs a sense of possibility. In Glass, Concrete, and Stone, we started with now and we implied a then. I think we both assumed that the then was in the past when the same speaker was singing pulled up back then. But then also there is a future then. I think this singer in Glass, Concrete, and Stone believes in a brighter future and that what they are doing is worth it for someone else or for themselves. There's still a hope in both songs. An example in Glass, Concrete, and Stone is looking at happiness, keeping my flavor fresh. Nobody knows, I guess, how far I'll go. How, who knows how far I'll go? He doesn't know. No one else knows. And then there's another one. Everything's possible when you're an animal, not inconceivable, how things can change, I know. There's a knowing that there still is life to be done. And that makes the song not just sad. It's not sad. It's more somber. It's more controlled and relaxed. And this is coming from a more experienced burn, but also from a more experienced human that knows that eventually there is good in the future, even if it's a little bit more a gray muted hope that mirrors the album cover that's David Byrne's face just gray white and black versus that 77 album that's in green and red and strikes you when you walk into the record store I really like the sense of hope that's found in both songs from two different perspectives and and timings in someone's life I like what you said right glass concrete and stones it's somber but it ends on a hopeful note mm-hmm He's looking towards the future. There's hope somewhere. Pulled up is completely in the present, I think. It depends on how you interpret it. Either you can interpret it the way I did more negatively, where he's stuck in the present. He's looking back on the past and he can't escape it. Or either way, though, it's in this moment. Whereas Glass, Concrete, and Stones is definitely more hopeful. I think Pulled Up is happy, is satisfied, but Glass, Concrete, Stones is looking forward, right? There's more there. There is a future. In my mind, I'm interpreting it almost as the kid and pulled up, stuck in the past. He can't escape from his parents' like grasp on his life. Whereas in the person who's pulled up, even though they're struggling, even though things are a little more tough, there's still some hope there for the future. Yeah. So I'm reading Tuesdays with Mori, and it's about this young person that's very moved by the lessons he had in college with this teacher named Mori. And it might be a true story because the author's name is Mitch and the main character's name is Mitch. And then Mitch gets very carried away in his job. He graduates college, kind of gets very obsessed with his job and loses track of things. And 
Maury then becomes term, terminally ill years later with ALS. So Maury is dying. And then Mitch sees a night lion report on him. Maury has become this very wise person that's actively studying life as he's dying. So every Tuesday, Mitch and Maury meet and discuss the intricacies of life as Maury's life comes to a close. And I see that almost as if these two characters were to meet, it'd almost be that of two people that are in totally different stages of their life, but it doesn't mean they can't have a conversation. It doesn't mean that one wouldn't be able to learn from the other. They would be able to sit and chat like Maury and Mitch. In all of these songs, they're such well-defined characters. Like you know them, you understand them, you've heard them other places. They're these archetype characters. And I'm going to kick it back to third grade English class and do some text-to-text connections here. Catcher in the Rye, why that came to mind is because I picture Holden Caulfield singing Pulled Up. Because that is Holden Caulfield, right? He's that kid. He's sent off to private school. His parents have all these high expectations for him. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. He's stuck there, right? It's, all he wants to do is get away from it. He can't take how phony everything is, how made up everything is. So I picture Holden Caulfield is singing Pulled Up. And then Glass, Concrete, and Stones. Have you ever heard Dirty Boulevard by Lou Reed off the album New York? No, I haven't, but I would love to. So check it out. It's a great song. But it's about this kid, Pedro, and I'll read a couple lines off here. So Pedro lives out of the Wilshire Hotel. He looks out of a window without glass. The walls are made of cardboard, newspapers on his feet. He's going down to the dirty boulevard, right? He lives on the dirty boulevard. This room costs $2,000 a month. You can believe it, man, it's true. Somewhere a landlord's laughing till he wets his pants. No one here dreams of being a doctor or a lawyer or anything. They dream of dealing on the boulevard. Back at the Wilshire, Pedro sits there dreaming. He's found a book of magic in a garbage can. He looks at the pictures, stares at the cracked ceiling. At the count of three, he says, I hope I can disappear and fly, fly away from this dirty boulevard. Now I'm seeing the parallels, the glass, concrete, and stones, right? This person stuck in this house, unhappy, in a bad neighborhood, potentially, just away from his family, and all he wants to do is get away. My head is 50 feet high. Let my body and soul be my guide. Pedro lives in the world, Sheer. He has no future. The best thing he can do in that song is become a drug dealer, join the rest of the neighborhood. But he pictures himself flying away. I yeah. feel like it encapsulates those char- that character. Yeah, it's very New York. I mean, David Byrne, The Talking Heads, and Lou Reed, I mean, very New York. Both take place in cities, and even in these, no matter how desolate or hopeful you are, there's still that wanting and expecting and hoping for a better, brighter future. I, I like that comparison. It's nice to throw a little, you know, outside band. We like to com- right now we're comparing yeah. David Byrne to Talking Heads, but it's always good to throw some other bands to get some reference points and also some literature, some Salinger, some yeah. Tuesdays with Maury. I want to see all of that. I mean, and that's, I think, what's really cool about these two songs. It is. It's like that conversation of Tuesdays with Maury. It's like if Holden Caulfield met Pedro from Dirty Boulevard. It's cool. It's cool to see that. And that's what I think is cool about these Talking Heads songs is they create these such well-defined characters that when you blend them together, it's like, what if these two people met? Meet, met? What if, I don't know, Julius Caesar met Napoleon? Like one of those kinds of comparisons. Oh, wow. I'd love to do a bit of Julius Caesar meets Napoleon. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I wish I was more educated on both to do a good job, to do them justice and not just speak in a bad French accent and be Napoleon. You know what I mean? That's exactly what it would be. And I would probably say something about being short and that would be the limit of my Napoleon knowledge. 
So we'll, <laughs> let's skip that. I know the bit is there and ripe for the taking. Yeah. But out of respect for Caesar, Napoleon, and, Holden and Caulfield, ourselves. Yeah, and ourselves, <laughs> maybe let's do a different bit. Oh. Devin and Kevin die? Yeah, I'd love to. Let's I'd love to it. have a, a theme song. <laughs> we need a theme song for Devin and Kevin <laughs> die. <laughs> like a nice happy one about us dying. hear the die rolling around in the back whenever you'd make a, a, a point I'd hear the die on your desk oh did you because oh, I'm yeah. kept hitting against the desk was no, it it's all right we, we can do a little ASMR everyone at home who's listening imagine for a second let's give it some silence the sound of a die hitting a surface wow it's all it's like it really happened it's such a distinct sound you know yeah how, how do they do that is there like a how do they do what in my case, I rolled a die and it made the sound of a die rolling. Is there a is there a standardized weight and distribution for what a die should be made out of and how much it should weigh and you know is that is that like decided upon? I feel like if in, in Vegas there should be the standard die. Do you know anything about this? I feel like that might be up your alley of trivial knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to keep up with the things you're giving me, but this one, I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should just die then. Let's die. How should we die today? All right, so let me roll for our characters first. Again, these characters are all from Talking Head songs, and these settings are all from Talking Head songs. So I just rolled for Kevin first. He got a one, so he is going to be a little baby. Oh. Let me roll for myself. I got a three, which means I am Mr. Businessman. Character I think we've seen before, but I think it'll work well. And then for our setting, we are in a brownstone. Okay. What's a brownstone? Brownstone is like in the city, one of those brownstone buildings. Mm, okay. <laughs> sure. that, it's brownstone. It's a very expensive apartment in the city. Okay. I think sometimes it's like only has one bedroom or something. Got it, got it. Yeah. All right. And end scene. Baby, have I got a deal for you. Hmm? You've heard of brownstones, right? Yeah, you have. I'll take that as a yes. We're going to sell gold stones. If brown oh. stones are expensive, imagine how expensive a gold stone is. Bubba. Your baby. Let me break this down. Let me make this simple for you. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Gold stone apartment. That's going to cost a lot of money. Where are we going to get all the gold? I'm ahead of the game. We're going to... Take gold. We're going to take gold. We're going to melt it down. We're going to melt it into like sir, a liquid. Sir, sir, what the, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Get away from my child. Oh, my God. Sir, yeah. what the hell? Are you pitching business ideas to my son? Listen, good to start him off young, right? We, you're the dad? Uh, yeah, but I'm, I think I'm going to call the cops. I mean, you can't just... No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Before you call the cops, instead of brown stones, gold stones, what do you think? You in? You interested? This is my apartment. You want to make my brownstone into a goldstone? Yes. Which means making my entire already expensive New York City apartment even more expensive by redoing the whole exterior in gold blocks. So that's what I was trying to explain to your baby. We're not using... <laughs> <laughs> what a sentence. We're taking the gold and we're melting it. No, you know what? Why not even simplify? We're going to just use gold paint. No one knows the difference. 
No one knows. What are they going to compare it to? There's no such thing as a gold building. I'd be the envy of the entire block, is what you're saying. You'd be the envy of the entire city. My God, this could do wonders for my career. I can't believe my son didn't take you up on this right away. This is genius. I'm in. I'm in. Where do I sign? How do I do this? Where do you get... Wait a second. Where are you going to get all that gold paint? Do you have like an abundance of gold paint sitting around? Because you were originally going to make this out of gold blocks. And now you want to do gold paint. So if you're sitting on a sub surplus of gold blocks, I'd rather have the gold blocks. I mean, how much would that be versus this gold paint idea? Well, that's why I contacted your baby. Because if we know anything about babies, it's that babies use finger paint. So babies finger paint. So I assume, you know, your baby finger paints. They got to have gold paint somewhere in there. So that's why I was looking to have your baby as a business partner. My baby's like tugging on my pants. I'm like, baby, what is it? Oh my God, what do you mean? My baby's telling me that you've made this offer to everyone on the street. What the hell is this? He says he sees you all the time out here when he's looking out his window and playing with his toys. What are you trying to pull here, Mr. Businessman? Where are your credentials? Um, well, you see, I unzip my costume. I'm three babies on top of each other. <laughs> We scatter into the distance. Oh Goo Goo Gaga, scatter. Gone. You've been three babies the whole time. The entire the, time. The, the cognitive ability of three babies combined equals one businessman in New York. <laughs> exactly. One New York businessman equals three babies. You know, on this topic, let's do some more adding up things to equal other things. Sure. I'm going to say that... Six babies mm -hmm. equals one big-time New York City district attorney running mm -hmm. for a mayoral candidacy. Six babies brain power, is what you're saying? Six combined amalgamated babies. Okay. I, okay, so I, I, right now I think I disagree with you, but okay. I'm here to hear you out. All right? So if we take the the physical abilities of six babies yes I think like the strength of it of six babies i think that's the strength of like a 13 year old like how how old are these babies really so i'm thinking around one years old okay so that's six years old combined but when do you i think, think how about this when do you think you're at peak strength um peak strength i'd say 35 years old 35. So a one-year-old baby would have one thirty-fifth of the strength of a peak strength human being. Yeah. So six and, would have six thirty-fifths of that. Yeah. So I guess what I'm arguing here is that a big time New York City DA running for a mayoral candidacy has mm -hmm. six thirty-fifths the strength of the peak average person. Yeah. So six twenty seventh the peak range pass. If we want to, so that's six twenty seventh. Let's do our math here. Divide by three, you have two ninths. Yeah. The brain capacity. I don't yes. want to like insult DA candidates. I hadn't done the math before. Which now that I figured out the did. math. Yeah, you insulted all our entire legal system in the state of New York. But this is important. So at least we've come to this conclusion. If we've made any sense here. Yeah, so if, with that math, it does imply that if you get enough babies, 
you will eventually be smarter than a New York City lawyer. Of like, how many babies do you think would be as smart as me? So you're 23. I'm 35. You're 35. <laughs> Where are you going with this? <laughs> Makes sense. It makes I think, sense. I think my my conclusion is that there's a an infinite level. Like I I have surpassed infinite babies worth of intelligence. But okay, I, here's here's a here's a hypothetical. How yeah, many uh, I'm with you. speak let's say the person in the song pulled up is like how old do you think they are? 18, 23? Uh, 23, yeah. Yeah. And how old do you think the person in glass, concrete, and stone is? I thought they were, I pictured them the same age. Like I pictured them both 23. Oh, really? I thought they were, I thought they were like 43 or 50. That's, yeah. It's because you said it was like, almost like this is the person later on in life. I pictured it as two separate people with like parallel lives. Oh, okay. I, I think it's, I think it's glass, concrete and stone is an older person. So my okay. question is how many 23 year olds equal the, uh, I, I think still no amount of 23 year olds can equal Maybe that's not true. How many 23-year-olds does it take to to equal this 47-year-old? I can also argue that's also infinite because there's almost, there's double his, his or her lifespan in this 47-year-old. And therefore, that's a priceless amount of experience, just in life experience. Considering that this person in Glass Concrete Zone seems like an active, successful family person. So I think like no, no matter how many Kevins there are who are actually 23, I will never be able to really match a 47-year-old. Maybe I can beat them on a cognitive test or I can run faster than them or they could, you know, outwit me or give a better story at a bar. But is it, could it, are these things even comparable? Yeah. Is um, Is life experience priceless is maybe what I'm asking. My answer to that is how many 23-year-olds are in a 47-year-old? 2.043478260. Oh, so that's the answer. Okay, that's the okay. mathematical answer. I'm glad we thought of that right before the advertisement and, and the ad break. So that's fantastic that we can go on break uh, and let the listener you know, mull that over and then we'll be back with more Stop Making Sense. Let's do it. This episode is sponsored by MyParents.com. That is My Parents. They are a charitable organization that has sponsored me and this show for uh, the original agreement was 18 years, but they just signed for another 18 years. So they're going to be supporting and sponsoring this podcast and all my life endeavors for uh, another 18 years and probably probably further than that. So thank you to my parents. Uh, Devin, have you ever heard of my parents? Are you familiar? Yeah, um, I also am subscribed to my parents. Applied for the extended usage. So that, like you said, 18 going on to... 22 supporting me now. Great organization, great group. Don't bring them to social events, I'd say is the one thing that holds it back. But my parents, other than that, pretty good. That's fantastic. Pretty good. That's your review pretty good. parents. And we'll, we'll have you in that forever, Devin, of quoting your parents as pretty good. That's my parents. Uh, use coupon code BIRTH, B-I-R-T-H, for its seemingly infinite amounts of cash, food, shelter, and... Um, I haven't said thank you once, so here's my thank you officially. Uh, thank you, my parents. All right, Kevin. So we haven't stopped making enough sense. Does that make? How would you say that actually? Before we stop making sense, 
because you would say we haven't started to make sense yet or we haven't made enough sense yet. Do you say we haven't stopped making enough sense yet? I think we've made plenty of sense. I mean, except for that math thing at the end, but I think we're going to start stop making sense. Okay. Yeah. Plus right before this episode started, I just exchanged the $10 bill in my wallet for 40 quarters. So I made sense. All right. Surprise bit. All right. Okay. Always ready for a bit. Uh, Give me a noun. Chair. And give me an adjective. Smushy. Smushy chair. And give me (laughs) a location. Uzbekistan. Give me another location. (laughs) Kansas. Kansas. Yes. All right. All right, so we're walking into like a theater. I don't know what was wrong with Uzbekistan. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with Uzbekistan. I just Are you no, on the record saying I you're anti-Uzbekistan? No, I have no concept of where to even begin. It'll be like impersonating Napoleon. I have no idea what's... A little. Also, I don't know anything about Kansas. This, okay, before we go into this, whatever is about to happen, do you feel the potential energy of this smushy chair in Kansas? I, the potential energy, yeah. I just want to make a disclaimer. I've never been to Kansas. The scene I'm, I'm picturing, we're walking into like a nice theater and we're about to go see like a, a, like an upper, you know, a high-end musical or something. And we're yeah. like walking. Kansas, like the musical. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like sliding into the aisle and we both sit down. Oh, God. Dude, what's, what does your chair feel like? I feel, do I like, do I feel low? Do I look lower than everyone else in this? When you said sliding, I pictured myself as a snake. Can I be a snake? Yeah, you're a snake. But I'll speak English. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I do feel lower than everyone else. I don't know what's going on. Well, you're usually lower than everyone else, but like, do you, now I'm lower than you. See how like we're- Oh, you had to bring that up. You know what? Me, Napoleon the snake. I know I'm short. (laughs) I knew we were going to get there. Listen, man, we've been friends for a long time. You know, I I accept you for that. You're a a talking snake. We've been over this. Name Napoleon. And yeah, I know your name, man. We've been friends for years. (laughs) The question I'm asking you is, my chair feels smushy. Does your chair feel also smushy? Or, or is it, do you have like a nice solid chair? It feels smushy. Smush, smush, smushy. <laughs> the show starts singing. All right, shh, shh, shh. Hey, welcome to the play. The... Dude, <laughs> I can't sit through this. This is like my chair is way too smushy. Can we, su- can we switch seats? Yeah, sure, man, sure. <laughs> oh my God, there's a snake in here. I knew this would happen. I knew this Every would time. I can't go in public. It's ridiculous. They don't look at Julius Caesar, who's sitting next to me. They only look at me, Napoleon the Snake, who's short. And I have a French accent now. Wee <laughs> oui, wee. Oui. Everyone runs out, and it's just us left in there. Mm-hmm. Julius Caesar and a snake and two smushy chairs. So, let's stop making sense. All right, I'll Ooh. drop the snake stuff. Yeah. So, what I want to talk about here is Roman concrete. Julius Caesar, Roman concrete. Oh, oh my God. That's the show. Yeah. Thank wow. you so much, everyone. Thank you. This that was not planned. Caesar and Napoleon stop making sense in the movie theater. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Napoleon, anything to plug at the end? All right, so what, what is it about Roman architecture that has gotten you so excited? Yeah, so I want to talk about Roman concrete. So Roman concrete. 2,000 years old, exposed to sea waves, volcanoes, whatever, and it's still standing, whereas modern concrete crumbles after a few decades. Mm -hmm. And scientists have looked at the concrete, 
and they found out that not only is Roman concrete more durable than modern concrete, it actually gets stronger over time. Wow. So what's the explanation? Aliens. No, but there's an explanation. But like it's, it's not, they get more durable, gets stronger over time. So aliens, maybe, they might come back into it. But basically the thing is, is that modern concrete is made out of something called Portland cement. Looked it up. has nothing to do with Portland, the city, which is called Portland cement. But it's made of silicon, limestone, and clay. Um, and basically it's melted at intense heats. Who would have ever thought that I would look up how to make concrete? That's where we're at in our lives here, yeah, where I'm looking up Google, how to make concrete. In your Google search bar is, is Portland cement from portland and that's going to throw off your uh youtube advertisements for weeks on end but it's worth it you might get some cement ads but it's worth it i'm i'm interested now so it's melted in tent seats and it's made into a big aggregate but the thing about concrete is it needs to stay stable because it can crack very easily um so inside concrete are big like iron rods right to keep the concrete stable but the problem with that is if they're exposed to seawater, the seawater rusts the iron, the iron rusts away, and the concrete eventually crumbles. Now, Roman concrete, 2,000 years old, it's still standing. So Roman concrete is made out of, rather than that Portland cement, since Portland was not yet even conceived yet. It wasn't even a thought in someone's head. You said Portland mm -hmm. to a Roman person, they'd be like, what? They wouldn't think of hipsters or whatever they have in Portland. <laughs> Ports? <laughs> Ports, probably. Ports not and cement. land, not but not cement. So Roman concrete is made out of volcanic ash, seawater, and lime, which I think if like you added tequila in there, you might have a good cocktail. Yeah. So if any of listeners at home. It sounds like they're making a potion. Like, yeah. <laughs> Get me the seawater. Volcanic sea ash and seawater and lime and just a dash of gin. It's not too bad on a weekend, huh? Like the witch doctor has a sense of humor. <laughs> problem. Continue. <laughs> so scientists did careful crystal analysis, which is sweet, right? Crystal analysis using electron microscopes and found, which I'm going to slaughter the name of right now, aluminous tobermorite. It's definitely not pronounced that way. What's my friend's name? Aluminous tobermorite? Yeah, you know al aluminous? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great person. Tobes. Tobes, as we call them. Yeah. So it's called AT, which is this AT, really what's up, AT, man? AT, AT, my man, brother to ET. Tobes. <laughs> rare. It's rare. AT is really rare and difficult to make in a laboratory. So what's cool about this is it turns out that this mineral grows inside the concrete as seawater dissolves the volcanic ash. So modern day, right? Seawater, concrete, not a good mix. Seawater rusts the iron rods and the concrete causes the concrete to crumble. For whatever reason, the chemicals going on in this Roman concrete causes, when the seawater hits the volcanic ash, it eats away at the volcanic ash, but leaves a space inside, which the AT takes up and creates like a reinforcing structure. So the volcanic ash is broken down into the AT. So what erodes the concrete actually makes it stronger. So that's why it's still around 2,000 years old. And now, 2,000 years later, we still don't know how to like make it. Scientists are trying to reverse engineer it, but we can't make it. And they want to make it because it could save a lot of energy. It could save a lot of resources. But we still haven't cracked the code because we don't have access to the alien technology that the Romans used 2,000 years ago.
yeah. Roman concrete. Roman concrete. I I love the idea of personifying this into Tobes because Tobes is like a good friend. Sometimes yeah. I'm an iron rod that's rusting from the seawater of life and I'm crumbling. And Tobes comes up and cuddles up and says, hey, I got you. And uh, 2,000 years later, I'm still standing. The question is, are you going to be modern Portland cement? Are you going to be like Tobes and still standing? Whatever doesn't wash away your cement makes you stronger, as they say, as Tobes says. You know what? I think you actually brought it to a place I want to go, right? Seawater. Seawater is bad events in our life. You can, and you're concrete. You can either be the iron rod, which that bad event, right, eats away at, it destroys you, or you can take it, you can let it break you down, and then you can build yourself up into something stronger from that. That's what the mm -hmm. Roman concrete does, right? Like Tobes, our friend Tobes. It's funny because there was actually a kid in my high school whose last name was Tobin that they called Tobe. So this fake Tobe character could be real. But uh, I'm moving somewhere here, and I think I'll move us back to our song somehow. But bad things happen to us, and you can either let them break you down completely, or you can let them break you down and then build yourself back up from them. Roman concrete, it takes it, and it's able to last for so long. It's so strong because it takes the negative energy that's coming in, it lets it break it down, and then it builds itself up from that. It, it takes out the bad and makes something good out of it. It's amazing. I've never been so inspired by a pillar. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the phrase or the, the slogan of Rome itself. When you like get a postcard from Rome, it says, I've never been so inspired by a pillar. I really like that. It's, it's poetic in a way. And I feel like, you know, the singer in Glass, Concrete and Stone is kind of like that weathered Roman pillar. They've, they've seen some stuff, you know, but they're tobing it up and like they're still standing and know that they probably have a few more thousand years in the future where they could maybe invent some other new reinforcement structure that Portland cement won't be able to recreate. But that's, that's uh, kind of what you talk about in America. They're like, oh, they don't make them like they used to. And whenever you hear someone saying that, they're talking about Roman Colosseum pillars. So yeah. that's, like, that's where that, that uh, phrase originated. You don't, they don't make them where they used to. They don't make them like they used to. They're talking about the cement the Roman in, concrete, in Rome. Yeah. yeah. I, didn't know a lot. I, I know I knew that, and I know you knew that. I just wanted to like make sure everyone else knew that. That's where that phrase came from. I also want to make sure everyone knows that Tobin it up, when it becomes a very popular, commonly used phrase, that was coined here on Devin and Kevin's Stop Making Sense. We yeah. coined Tobin it up. Yeah. Next, but, time, next time you have like a good friend that really comes to your aid when, when you need it most and you feel like you're about to crumble, say, hey, thanks, you're a real Tobe. And I bet you'll see their eyes well up, not with sadness, <laughs> not because you called them a funny name that they weren't expecting, but because they know exactly what you're talking about. They know you're comparing them with a baffling scientific process happening on the coasts of Rome. And that's amazing. It's really yeah. lovely. And to talk about concrete just a little bit more. I mean, Glass, Concrete, and Stones, that song, that, I mean, I love that song. I love Pulled Up, too. Total, again, two different, but I love them for totally different reasons. Pulled Up, like you said, it's very happy, go-lucky, fun song. It's also a thankful song, unless you might be able to interpret another way, but it's also a thankful song. But there's something about Glass, Concrete, and Stones, and now I realize it after talking, there is that hope underneath it, right? Mm -hmm. Even though it is a very somber, morose song, there's that hope. But it's just so powerful, that line, it's a house, but not a home. Because I think we've all felt that at some point, whether you're moved into your first apartment, you're at you've moved away to college, whatever it is, you're sleeping over at a friend's place when you're a kid and you're sitting there and you're like, 
it's a house. There's the wood, there's the glass, the concrete and stones, but it's, that's it. It's just the material. Yeah. And, and I feel, I, I, I didn't think I'd be comparing this to Roman pillars, these notes that I took earlier, but you know, in this song, Vern breaks down, whether it be a physical structure, like a house or a home and a person breaks the, these things down into their rudiments, their most basic structures. And really when we're at that such a molecular level of what these things are, we realize where the personality and the importance come from them. Whether it be a Roman pillar, if you just take those, the, the volcanic ash, some seawater and a lime and put them next to each other, they don't do anything. But when you put them together, they make something special. Just how you just take a structure, a brownstone, even if it's covered in gold, you know, it's still just a house. And there needs to be something inside it to make it a home. Same with a body. He kind of uses this hyper-realistic poetic biology in some of these lines like skin that covers me from head to toe except a couple tiny holes and openings when you talk about a person in those hyper realistic ways like this bag of skin with holes in it you're just like that's gross i don't want to go there but at the end when he's talking about his body and his soul being his guide that's what makes a person a house is just a structure a body is just a structure but a home is something with a soul, and so is so is a person, you know? So I really like that. No, I'm glad you, yeah, thank you. I'm glad you brought us there because I had recently read this book about, like, the evolution of consciousness. And what they want to do in science now is they want to move away because that mind-body dualism, right? That idea that started with Descartes, that we're minds and we're bodies. But when we look at evolutionary theory, everything was created from the material that was there. We're just stuff, right? We're just the skin from head to toe with a couple of tiny holes and openings. And yet we're able to make something beautiful out of it due to the arrangement of the atoms in your brain or whatever it may be, consciousness sparks. There's something more. And it's just made out of the stuff, but there's still something there. Just like the house, it's not a home. Yeah, it's just glass, concrete, and stones, but it's also your home, right? It's where you grew up. It's your parents. It's your family. It's your friends. It's all the memories and experiences there. It's really, there's something beautiful there that, at the end of the day, sure, this is just stuff. It's 2,000-year-old Roman concrete, but it's significant for whatever reason. The memories we put on it, the stories that it's associated with it. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I'm satisfied. God, I'm Good crying. stuff. It's fantastic. I mean, that's, that's a really beautiful thing. I, you know, just to reflect on what we talked about. We started with Pulled Up, the beginning of the, the Talking Heads careers has so much energy, this youthful energy that borders on disrespectful, borders on spoiled, but ultimately we feel is a thank you. And then this more wiser, mature glass, concrete, and stone, whether it's the same person singing it or, or not, you know, there's there's hope here. There's a there's life here. I'm gonna keep tobing it, man. Taking the bad, taking that seawater, and making it into that aluminous tobermite that you're stronger for. I'm going to tobe it. I'm going to take the bad that comes in and find a way, allow it to crush me down, only to build myself up into something stronger. Be a tobe. I love that. Just another thing, I've heard that glass, concrete, and stone could also be a sequel to Once in a Lifetime. It does come after Once in a Lifetime on the American Utopia album. We've just opened up Devin and Kevin forever, infinite babies, (laughs) infinite episodes, different combinations. There we go. Infinite Babies. You hear it here first, folks. Look out for Infinite Babies and uh, be a Tobe. Just be a Tobe. That's all. I've been Kevin Fergan. I've been Devin D'Agostino, stacked on top of each other in a baby suit.
Thank you for listening. This has been Devin and Kevin. Stop making sense. And we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>